You are now the director of a major fishing tournament organization. Could be MLF, could be Bass, could be MPFL. You can make any change you want. You got 15 seconds to figure it out. Play that music. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow. feel like it's going to be a bad day. Welcome back to the OneCast. This is where we talk fishing, outdoors, and whatever else comes to mind. I'm Ben. I'm joined here by my two good buddies, two members of OneCast. We got Trey to my right. Welcome back. Probably your left on the screen. And on the opposite side here, we have Pete. Yep. Welcome back, everybody. Glad to have you. Episode two. It is episode two. two. And we are going to talk about the rules changes. And really, what would we change about the major fish organizations? Just a couple of ideas we had, conversation starters. If you uh, drop down in the comments, let us know what you would change, or if you just think our ideas are completely stupid, that's okay too, <laughs> because we might have some of those. Before we get started here, though, this uh, podcast is brought to you by OneCast Fishing. So go over to the website, onecastfishing.com, use the code the OneCast at checkout, you'll save 10%. Join the Snagless Revolution, catch more fish, and lose less tackle. All right, there we got it. Let's get after those rule changes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we should start off, if, if, if one of you want to, you know, last last episode, we talked about the major changes the organizations made for 2023 during our 2022 recap, because that's when all the news come out. So if one of you want to top the, the highlights of, of the changes that have been made, and then we'll just, we'll, then we'll hop into what they should do. Yeah, we can give a quick overview. So last time we talked, we talked about the Bass Pro Tour changing their format to a five fish format, catch, weigh, and release. Not a huge difference. They're just going to those five fish. Uh, we talked about the Bass Opens changing their uh, Bass Open Invitationals to the next higher level fishing all nine events in order to qualify for the elites. I know that they pretty much have a full field if i'm not mistaken yeah, the right opens now are full yep Once, well the elite qualifier yeah the elite qualifiers um and then we talked about the changes with the national professional fishing league reducing those entry fees uh changing those those payouts to a hundred thousand dollars for the tournament champion um and the only other thing that i don't think we talked about was the mlf invitationals which used to uh yeah which was, now are that the, was the tackle warehouse pro circuit is right. now the invitationals Right. And so then the Toyota series, uh, we were just talking about this before we started recording. They did they do away with the championship? Do we confirm that? I I wasn't able to find that. I mean, we have to do a little bit more research, but um, I know that Spencer Sheffield uh, this this year, twenty twenty two, won the the championship, and he's now moving on to the Bass Pro Tour. I'm not so sure they're going to have that championship anymore. That's something we'll have to look into. But we got changes across the board with all three national tournament organizations. I think. It's subjective. Some changes are good. Some changes are bad. But we're going to talk about if you were the tournament director of any of those organizations, what would you add or take away? Yeah. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody <laughs> does. That I, is true. And we're going to preface this by saying we're not going to talk about live scope. None of our changes <laughs> nope. are going to be about banning live scope. So if that's one of yours, drop that comment down below. There's going to be, a, you know, you guys can go back and forth about that. Um, oh, that's going to be in the comments. <laughs> but that's here to stay. That's because we all have Live Scope or Active Target or Mega Live or whatever you want to call it. But Randy, Randy can make another video. <laughs> 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 all right. <laughs> Let's jump into it. So if I was a tournament director. What's your takeaway, Ben? Well, what am I going to take away? I want to take away the ban on the Alabama rig. Love Ooh. It. I mean, there's no, as far as I understand, there's no other lure that's banned no you know a live bait obviously but like artificial yeah. and, and the way the rule is specifically written it, it talks about multiple hooks attached to a wire is how it's written so and we all know each state's a little bit different with the alabama rig some states you can use five hooks or actually i think in north carolina there's no limit on the number of hooks yeah there's you can no use. limit in north carolina other states it, it may be two hooks three hooks um, some states you can use dummy rigs etc right but you know, originally it was banned. I mean, it's been a long time since it's been banned on, on the pro level tours. And I think at the time it was because they thought it gave an unfair advantage uh, to the to the angler because it was just catching fish left and right. Uh, you know, kind of like the uh, I would compare it maybe when the chatterbait came out, too. Yeah, that, that yeah. It was just different. It was catching fish. It was mimic, mimicking a school. Uh, but, but look, 
we, I said, I just said, we're not going to talk about banning live scope and all. If live scope is allowed and you can physically look at the fish and, and watch it react, mm -hmm. then why the heck is the Alabama rig is, st is still banned? It's just another tool. Just all the other tools we have, all the lures, rods, reels, the different types of boats, right? All the electronics. It's just a tool to be able to catch fish. The fact this one particular, uh, it just frustrates me. I you get no <laughs> argument against it. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. I guess, do you draw a line, though, to the Alabama rig, right? Because you could get 10, 15, a giant umbrella rig out there. Do you draw a line in... in and say that you can use an Alabama rig, but there has to be a limit to the amount of hooks, to the amount of baits state that are in there. State law. State law. Okay, yeah. I think state law makes perfect I, that's sense. A, that's, that's a, let, let's be realistic. There's no, as far, I'd have to go back and check, but I don't believe there's a limit here in North Carolina. I run five on my Alabama rig. Mm -hmm. Same here. Same here. There's absolutely no benefit to me putting an Alabama rig on an Alabama rig and having, what would I have then, nine baits you'd have to launch that out of a mortar tube yeah anyways. i mean that's big a big swim bait heavy, rod. Yeah, yeah it's a big i throw it on a swim bait rod now it's a big heavy rig as it is um it, it, I, he, I think part of why they banned it is because you do get fish that just run through that and you end up with them hooked in the side and all this that so the maybe the perception that they were being snagged and not not caught legally whatever but you could just as easily add the rule that it has to have a hook in the mouth yeah, I mean, um, and you you could say that about any of the baits, really. I mean, thinking about ripping a jerk bait yeah, through the yeah. the water. How many fish get snagged with a jerk bait or crankbait for that? Or matter. crankbait. Well, they're not, but they're not even getting snagged. They're just they're missing. They're the missing bait it. Yeah, it's uh, well, unless you talk to people online, then they say they're snagging with jerk baits using forward facing <laughs> sonar. But um, yeah, it doesn't. It never made sense to me. Uh, when the when the when the rig first came out, there was a lot of money won on that bad boy before they banned it. Right. I, I, I look at it like this. The fish are conditioned. They, they become conditioned every time we bring something new to the table, right? So side scan, Alabama rig, forward facing sonar, you go on and go on and go on. The fish are going to change with every time we evolve the sport. So at the end of the day, I've had more fish not go to my Alabama rig watching them on forward facing sonar than I have catching them. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't think it gives anyone an unfair advantage to use an Alabama rig. I really no. don't. Right. And now if you want to collate it with forward facing sonar, which we said we weren't going to do, um, you can see the, the reality behind it is the fish aren't going to chew on the Alabama rig all the time. But there's certain par parts of the year, certain conditions, bait fish are keyed in on, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I, I agree with you, Ben. I agree with you, Pete. Like, Use the A-Rig. You pay to play. Use the A-Rig. Bass, MPFL, BPT. All of them. All of them. You heard it. Let the Alabama rig back. I'll tell I want to see them. One of the, a buddy of mine that fishes the opens, Travis Colworth. Travis, if you happen to watch this, I'm going to call you out. But I've seen that dude skip an A-Rig under docks. Like That takes some skill right there. He's got some giants throwing an A-Rig under docks and stuff. And it's just, it opens up. A different way of fishing and he's using three quarter ounce heads <laughs> oh, it, when i saw it i couldn't believe it no that's impressive that's impressive but um yeah what about you trey what would you take away well you know this is probably going to sting for some people and i don't fish these events but this is just me as a viewer and if i was fishing the 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 bass opens uh particularly in some of the mlf events i'm not huge on the co-angler part uh, the reason I say that is now you're forcing guys to fish all nine events to condition those anglers to taking the next step. But at the end of the day, they still have another line in the water behind them and they don't have that at the elite level. And that there really is no other, there's no other level for the, for the co-anglers to move up. I mean, the bass opens is where it's at. And I don't want to sound harsh, but at the end of the day, if you're trying to condition the, the anglers, you're changing the rules to make them fish all nine to be invited to the elites if they qualify, then I'd say take away the co-anglers. The other thing about the co-anglers too is think of the amount of pressure a lake gets over a 72-hour period with 225 lines in the water at any given time over three days. Add 225 more lines. I don't know if the co-anglers, if they're always filled up on the roster, but for me... You are fishing against me at the end of the day, even though they say you're fishing against the co-anglers. And if you're trying to take that next step to get to the to the elites, 
I just feel like that puts you at a disadvantage. You you have to fish all nine now. You have to pay a significant amount of money. And I understand that it's a revenue. It's it's revenue for the industry. It's bringing that money in so that they can pay those big payouts and host the elites at some of those major spots uh, that meet the logistical requirements of those big events. But this is just my personal opinion. Get rid of the co-anglers on the open side. Couldn't disagree more. Yep. Almost every angler that you watch fishing the elite start is a co-angler fishing yep. the opens. There's no better way to get experience, uh, financially sound experience. You're not having to go right into spending $30,000. Um, the pressure isn't that much. That's, I mean, biologists have spoken on it. It doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. That one co-angler being replaced, not being there, is just going to be the local guy that's out there fishing instead. Um, I could see it on the... 100% on the elite qualifier, so there's 130 guys or whatever. Well, there's 175, and that's so that's the issue I was thinking of, right? If most of the field is filled up with EQ guys, right, that only leaves 50 co-anglers yeah. you know, spots, maybe, and that's, I mean, that you're... Most you're, co-anglers are only fishing the regionals, though, and I mean, I don't, I'd have to look, but I don't believe they fill up, you typically. Yeah, I'd have to look, too, and it's going to depend on location and lake they're going to, but... I do like your point there, Pete, that, you know, the Opens, it was, everyone says kind of like the working man's tour. I've got my own opinions about that. If, you know, if you're trying mm-hmm. to qualify and you got to pay that much money anyway to, you know, as a boater, is it really working man's tour? But, but with the co-angler side, it was significantly cheaper. You got the opportunity to maybe you know, fish with some big sticks. You, you can, can make the classic. As a you, yeah, yeah. And you can learn and you may get a fish with a pro too, like, because those guys will drop down sometimes. Yeah, when they're trying to qualify, a, specific, a lot of them try to qualify if they're not for the classic. And I know what your counter argument is too, <laughs> or the counter argument is that, well, if if these guys want to fish with the best of the best, like it doesn't matter what you throw at them, they should, like, whoever adapts and overcomes against that field should be able to compete at the highest level. You know, there's there's that argument. So I, I don't know where I come down on it. <laughs> I, I want to split the as difference. Far as, <laughs> as far as bass goes, there isn't. There isn't anywhere else for for a guy to spend less money and find out if that that level of tournament fishing is what he wants to pursue. If you look at if you look at uh, MLF, you have the BFLs. You can sign up and fish a BFL. It's a lower level. That's you not can get true a feel though. For where are you doing it at bass? Well, you got the you know bass affiliated clubs, right? Then you can but go. You can't compare a bass affiliated club to fishing an it, open or a BFL. And then you go fish the Bass Nation. You st- even the Bass Nation tournaments don't get the turnout of of a open or a BFL. Well, so that's true that they may not get the turnout. What I'm saying is you don't you don't get that level. Like the BFL is above any Bass Nation tournament. You you have guys that are fishing the Toyota Series trying to qualify or get invited now to the Invitationals that also fish BFLs. Mm-hmm. Like you, there's no real stepping stone to go from a club level. And there's only been one guy that's ever and we talked about this. Mm-hmm. It's done that. We're going to talk about it on a later podcast. But to gain that experience. 200 boat blast off check-ins meetings uh, all that stuff as a co-angler there's also no better way to get your name out there and start going there's big money sponsors that sponsor co-anglers yeah i i totally i mean from a personal level if i was since it's essentially taken the working man's tournament away right because you have to fish you don't have to fish all night you don't have to, fish to qualify all nine. for the But you do have to fish all nine to qualify for the elites. Yeah. So maybe you break it up that way where the co-anglers who are are paired with people who aren't fishing all nine, right? Because if I'm if I have to fish all nine, it's it's almost as expensive, right, as any of these other uh, major national circuits. I don't want to be at a disadvantage now that I'm forced to fish all nine. But again, it's a choice, right? But if it was me and my next step was to qualify for the elites, I wouldn't want somebody in the back of my boat. But I also see the benefit of it as well because it is a stepping stone for those co-anglers to maybe jump in as a boater in those opens as well. So, But I just, I've never been a huge the, fan of the co-anglers. Where we fail across all of them is, is teaching people how to be a co-angler. That's true. That's it, true. You, you, it a lot depends on who the co angler is. Yep. You can draw. I know guys fishing those those tournaments, and I've I've fished a few as a boater. And you can draw a guy that's just going to step and break rods, and 
he brings 300 tons of garbage and he's throwing a giant glide bait all day when they're eating a Ned rig and you know, it, it makes it frustrating fishing, mm-hmm. but yeah, then you that, get guys that are good or that are there to learn. They ask a lot of questions. Yep. So maybe, maybe where we fail is preparing co-anglers to, to take that step. I don't know, but I, I think there needs to be that outlet for a guy to get experience and exposure without having to have a 20,000, let's just say a $20,000 boat. If you buy a used boat to run yeah. in an open to get started, you're still going to spend, let's say 20 grand. Mm-hmm. Now I can spend, I think the co-anglers are 200 and something entry. I'd have to go back and look, but it's like 250 or something. I think something it's like, like 250. That. I can spend that. I can get on, on a high dollar bass boat or on a bass boat with a guy that has done it. Hopefully he's done it. I can gain some experience, some knowledge. And I, I just don't think there's any way to replace that. You know? It, yeah, and what Bass is doing with the – it's kind of a hybrid between what MLF has done, right? You got your BPT, then you have the Invitational Series, which is their feeder system, and then you have the, the Torridor Series, which is their equivalent to their Open, um, and then the BFLs. Right. Right. So, I mean, I guess Bass could – they could restrict the Opens to the EQs or like they were doing, but maybe they need to put some more emphasis – on the Bass Nation or, or something along along those I, lines. I feel like the EQs need to be a separate entity. A separate entity. Yeah. They, they'll probably end up going that way if yeah. I had to With guess. With 175 boats year one, I, I think that's probably where it's going to trend. Yeah. But the Opens really could be your ground level. The that next could be step the to man. get to where you're fishing all nine. So you're getting yeah. exposure, a little bit of exposure. You start to meet some folks in the industry. You start to, to garner some relationships maybe get some sponsorship de- de- deals um, or at least discount deals with, with companies. And then it sets you up to take that next step. We're like, Hey, I've built a relationship with one cast fishing. I'm mm-hmm. just going to use that as our, you know, as our business. Would you guys provide me some support if I wanted to step to that next level? And then we can take a look at your resume, your body of work and say, you know, yeah, this is a sound investment for us. We can provide you X amount of dollars towards entry fees or whatever. And you work, you know, you work those deals, but you guys As it li- sits right now, I don't think you could do away with, with yeah. co-anglers. I'll, I'll play my own devil's advocate here. I mean, as an angler, as a boater on the opens, which in my opinion would be probably the hardest format to be successful in, especially if you're you know trying to qualify for the elites through all nine. You got a co-angler. You got to travel nationally. You got to spend a lot of money. If you can do all that with somebody fishing out of the back of your boat in every single one of those events and you know how to manage fish, and you're good enough to put co-anglers on fish, as long as you guys have a good relationship in the boat together, that speaks volumes. I would say that the Opens is probably the hardest format to fish. Yeah. So it, Obviously, it can be done. It's been done for a long time. And FLW yep. for years had co-anglers at, mm-hmm. you know, at their highest level. So, And let us know down below in the comments, or however you're watching this, let, let us know what you think. But... Um, it's certainly an option and, and bass may end up going that way depending because the, the, the turnout for the EQ is, is ridiculous. So huge, who knows what will happen? They, they may go, they may establish other, other organizations, but, but with that said, Pete, we haven't heard yours. What, what would you take away, mm. uh, as a as existing rule? This one might upset some people, but <laughs> <clears throat> honestly, I p- apologize for that. Um, I would do away with the information rule. Ooh. So what is the information rule? So you can't gather information on a lake that you're going to fish. There's there's a closed window period where you can't talk to locals. You can't talk to guides. You can't talk to buddies. You can't have a buddy go out and run around the lake. I believe it's 30 days. I think think it's 30. I'd have to double check, but I would do away with that. And the reason I say that is when you get to the elite level, the Bass Pro Tour level, uh, you're fishing in the MPFL, you're supposed to be now at the top of the game, right? You're a professional in your sport telling me that I can't practice to become a better professional on a body of water where I'm going to compete. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. If I'm, if I'm a pitcher in baseball, for instance, and I want to keep getting better, I can travel around to the different States. I can go to Colorado and pitch in altitude with a trainer to, to learn the differences. I can go various places and and learn uh, with any professional sport. I can continue to get better where I'm going to be playing that sport on that field of play. A football field is a football field, regard, you know, if you get what I mean. A body of water isn't a body of water. There's some regional likenesses, but you know as well as I do that I'm fishing Sharon Harris completely different than I'm fishing <laughs> Jordan Lake. 
I where I'm so. fishing the Roanoke River on, in, in the eastern side of the state, completely different than I'm fishing Lake James on the western side of the state. Yep. And to not be able to to hone my craft on a body of water where I'm expected to compete at the highest level, to me, is a disadvantage to to all the professionals. I think that information, that no information rule, just sets a lot of anglers up for some some question, right? Um, where do you draw the line with with information? Uh, not being able to watch something on live, you know, somebody run across you and want to chat you up because they're a fan of you and then give you some advice on the water and say, no, 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 I can't talk to you about that. You know, like if I'm the Detroit Lions, one of the worst NFL teams, and I can say that because I'm from Michigan, if I'm the Detroit Lions, do you think for one minute I don't want to steal the playbook from one of those other major Yeah, yeah the Patriots teams? did that. Spygate. What happened <laughs> yeah. with that? I mean, But wait, how can I guide on a lake? <laughs> right. And you're telling me, well, you can't gather information from your client, but I'm gathering information from my client regardless because I'm telling my client, we're going to fish this. This is what I want you to do. If it works, I just gathered information from my client. Even though I directed that information, I still gained information. Or how about all the guys that travel together? And I know that the rules say that competitors can talk to competitors, but there's a lot of clicks that are on the road, right? There's a lot of people that are airbnb together and sharing waypoints and sharing information. Then there's a lot of anglers, and this is by choice, but maybe it's not by choice. Maybe some people are ostracized on tour-level events because they're not liked or whatever the case may be. But you can't tell me that it, it – I mean, people share information all the time – if I'm rooming with you two and we're fishing the same event and we're sharing waypoints, that's a distinct advantage over another angler who rooms by himself or herself. And I just think that there's no real good way to monitor that information rule. I agree with you, Pete. Like I, I would do away with the information rule. I really would because it's so subjective. It's so hard to monitor. Really, the only thing at the end of the day they have is integrity and polygraphs, right? And, and maybe some witness statements and stuff like that. But to me, like, why would you not want to make yourself more competitive, especially when you're paying a significant amount of money to play? It's I not, feel like if you're going to keep it in there, then it needs to be across the board, including you can't guide on a body of water. And I'm not taking anything away from Lee Livesey, but look what he's done on Fork where he guides for a living the last two tournaments down there. Yeah, The guy knows the body of water. And, and granted, if you live and you fish the body of water your whole life, you're going to know. But he was able to gather information while not gathering information. Look, well, I don't know about that, but they had it because they, they were they had events right before that. So the guide thing's interesting. When you look at the rules, everyone can go look at them. It's it's interesting how it's written in there. But when it comes to like fishing the boat, most most of these events are so close together that they don't have time to go out there extra time to do that. To take the opposite side, I I accept the fact it's hard to enforce some of these things because the spirit of the rule is not about you're pumping your gas, filling up the boat, and someone up is trying to talk to you, or you're in a tackle shop, or you're talking to your buddies, right? What we don't want to go down the road is that you have some folks who have been on tour for a long time who have maybe the financial resources where they got a lot of buddies. And they can basically have those folks go fish that body of water for a month straight, getting detailed reports of what's going on and gathering that intel. That's Now, that is a significant disadvantage yep. for the folks who can't afford to do that or don't know people right, in, that, in that area. And so I, I completely accept the fact that it, it is difficult to, to enforce the no information rule. Um, but but you've got to have something because you don't, you can't go down that slope where it it's almost a free for all and you know you know some guys paying five people to go fish five different creek arms you know for a month straight and, you know and just track the fish every day. I mean, yeah. well, I'll tell you what, folks, cast your questions and drop your comments below. We're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to throw a little curveball at you. All right, folks, we're back. So we just got done talking about some of the rules and uh, some of the things that we would take away. The one thing I want to ask uh, uh, Ben and Pete here, and this and this goes for the group as well that's that's watching or listening. What are your thoughts about now that the MLF has the invitationals and the Bass has the qualifying events or the elite qualifiers rather? 
Do you believe that the elite anglers and the BPT anglers should be able to fish the opens and the invitationals? That's interesting. I used to be, I used to say it's an open event, let them drop down. Anyone can get into it. But now that the focus is on the EQ and let's, let's admit it. It is, there's 175 anglers trying to qualify. That's where the two where three quarters of the field is going towards, um, is trying to qualify. So I don't, you know, I haven't read the numbers and how it affects points and all that. And, and again, I know a lot of elite anglers would drop down because they're familiar with that body of water. It's another opportunity to win, right? This is their livelihoods too. Um, you know, they're trying to put food on the table and, you know, there is a chance to qualify for the classic, but the fact that you have to fish three in division now, I think makes it a little more difficult for the elite guys to be able to double qualify because right with their travel schedule and all. But, uh, so I don't know, I guess I would lean towards, sure. Let them drop down, let, put yeah, the best competition out there. I don't see an issue with it because you have to fish online to qualify for the elites. So you're not impacting those guys points wise or anything. Um, so I guess that is true, right? Cause when you rack and stack the 175, it's against, uh, it, it's not against all the other competitors who drop down who aren't trying to qualify. Yeah, those guys dropping down are typically trying to qualify for the classic through the opens. But um, you are taking an opportunity to qualify from the classic away from those 175, right? Yeah. But the classic is a separate event. Yeah. It's a separate sure. event. You know, I, I don't see, I don't see an issue with it. I just think the way that it's named, right? The, it's an open. The, the elite qualifiers, right? Yeah, but you're not technically if you're dropping down and fishing an open, you're not fishing the elite qualifier, you're fishing the open. Yeah. And this is where the sport is different, right? So you have it's not like the NFL or the NBA where you're dropping down into the NCAA and you're competing against yeah. like collegiate level athletes, right? That'd yeah. be like the elites dropping down to, you know, collegiate level bass fishing. Um, I just think it's a it's a funny gray area. Um, I'm indifferent about it. I just think it's something to to bring up, right? Like you're dropping down to fish against the guys that are trying to fish at your level, but you're fishing at their level. I don't think it's any you know? different than the MOB and a guy going to AAA for a rehab stint because he had an elbow injury or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He's just doing it to try to qualify for the classic, and you're not taking away from the elite qualifiers because essentially they're a separate. Ent- they have separated those guys and gals. I think there's one female fishing all nine this year, but they have yeah. separated them from the rest of the opens anglers by calling them the elite qualifiers, right? So if I'm already on the elites and I'm not having a great year, but I want an opportunity to try to make the classic, I can fish my three regionals. And if I win one, then I can qualify. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it interferes with, uh, with that. Now, when it was regional, and they took the th- the regional ones. You could absolutely wreck a dude's dreams, yeah, by coming in and winning a tournament, or, or even if you make the cut and he doesn't, that could be the difference between him being in the top three and qualifying and him being fourth, yeah, not making that cut in one tournament. And you could be the difference, yeah. But but from the standpoint of the way it's set up now, and and like we talked about earlier, I think it's going to change, where the elite qualifiers is going to be its own thing. And the opens are going to be the opens. They'll probably be on different bodies of water. Uh, I'm sure Bass was testing the water to see how many people would be interested in fishing all nine. Yeah, and with the, with the, the amount of anglers they got, like they could go a lot of different ways with it. I never you thought know. it was going to be as many as as it was. I, this 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 discussion of whether or not you know the pro anglers, right, the guys who are fishing the the, the highest level tours to drop down. I did a TikTok video on that a couple of years ago, and man, people are on the opposite ends and they're very <laughs> committed to their views. I've, I've always, I haven't been able to rationalize it, but I've always thought, okay, maybe the opens, the elites could drop down cause it was an open. I understand now with the EQ is a little different, but for the BPT and MLF, like the invitational or, or tackle warehouse series, right? The entire point of that was to qualify for BPT. So why would you let guys drop down? Um, again, it comes back to, and I think I fall down on this, right? Guys were fishing for a living. And if they can get in there and fish and, and make a check, let them make a check. But, you know, if you're, if you're trying to be on that top level anyway, you're going to have to compete against them hopefully next year or so. Um, but it, it's interesting. There's a lot of different ways. You, you can look at it from, like, you hear guys online where uh, an elite guy will drop into a local tournament and these dudes will get all butt hurt. Like, 
do it, man. I want to fish against you because if I whoop you, the whole world's gonna know that I took I took <laughs> Jacob Wheeler's money on a it, Tuesday it's, nighter. It's like LeBron James, you know, going to the rec league and someone dunking on him. Yeah, right. I mean, you don't want you don't want that out. But I mean, most anglers, right, they right, they drop down to those Tuesday nighters and right, they enjoy it. They love fishing. Most of the time, they do pretty well. And a lot of times, they donate that money back to the club or whatever it is that's doing that. They don't. A lot of times, you'll see them guys don't keep that money. Yeah. They just they want the competition just like all of us do. And it's good promotion too, good marketing for their sponsors and things like that. Exposure is everything in this game, especially when you're paying to play or someone else is paying you to play. So it, it's a good way to stimulate conversation. So well, just one last thing on that. What kills me about that when you see those arguments is every single one of us thinks we're a good angler <laughs> fishing our Tuesday nighters. We mm. all think we're great. Right. And then somebody shows up, does it for a living. And all of a sudden we're crying about it. Well, if we're as good as we think we are, I want to fish against those guys. That's true. That's a good point. And that's all I got to say about that. Stiff, <laughs> stiff in the competition makes you better, right? Practice doesn't make perfect. Practice no. just makes you better. So you're the tournament director. What are you going to add? I'm going to go last on this one. Again, <laughs> mine's going to be a long one, but ben, mine's pretty easy. Got? I'm going to allow nets. Huh. I, I, I understand it's part of the skill, right? Being able to land the fish without a net, but, but, but come on. I mean, last year I watched Scott Barton on camera, had his hands on a nine pounder, both hands on a nine pounder. Yep. And it got away, right? You know, sometimes fluke things happen. You could be grabbing a fish and a wave comes and knocks them out. You, you go to boat flip. Right. It hits the, the windshield oh, there. How many times, yeah, how many times does that happen? All right? the tunnel, you lose. and it's one inch one way or the other. Exactly. And and, the, and there's a safety aspect, too. Well, and look I, at Dean Rojas. I was going to bring that up when they were fishing Jordan with the the, uh, the heavy hitters. Yeah. And he ended up with both treble hooks buried in one of his hands landing a fish. Mm. And you can't you can't let your your marshal or whatever they call it in the in the, uh, they in the can't left help drive you, at all. you. They can't help yeah. you. So yeah. he had to one hand himself back to the launch. Uh, and get some help there to get that hook out. And I so. wasn't even thinking about that for safety, but yeah, especially the, the BPT guys, like they're going to grab the lines and I've done it. I went to grab a fish, boat flipping, and I got a, a treble hook in my finger. And it, the, I think they have allowed it on an event or two. Maybe it was the MPFL. It was up north. It, it was, was up north on yeah. big water, yeah. big waves out on one of the Great Lakes or one of those lakes a year or two ago. And they did allow you to use the net because it is a safety thing. The net technology isn't what it was when when these rules came about. That's right. They were using old nylon braided nets, and it messed the slime coat. Now you have these, uh, you know, epoxy coated or plastic coated dip nets that are super soft on the fish, uh, designed for one guy to use them. It just makes sense if we're going to continue to talk about our role in conservation and making sure that those fish that we catch and release are healthy. But <laughs> let's be honest, a net isn't any worse than boat flipping one into the well, cockpit so, and letting it flop around. That, that was my point, right? We're, we're going to allow that to happen. Um, BPT doesn't because you get a penalty, but it still happens because the, the fish flops off. Yeah. As long as the angler is the one who uses the net, and you could put rules on it. It can't be longer than five foot, six foot, whatever you want to do. It can only be so wide, right? Make, make a regulation for the net. And as long as the angler use it, let's get the fish in the boat. Let's, Let's get them in the live well, weigh them, you know, do what you got to do, depending on, you know, what tour you're fishing, uh, fishing and go on and catch more fish. Yeah. I mean, with the opens, you can't use a net, correct? No, you can in the opens. Can you? You can in the invitationals or, or what was the Toyota series or whatever. Toyota series. I just think like consistency and across the board. Tack Warehouse Pro Circuit, they could use them too. Because yeah. I remember watching Michael Neal net a bunch of fish. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you on that, Ben and, and Pete. Like I... I I don't see any I don't see how it takes the talent away from the angler with a net. I I see it being a beneficial beneficial from the angler's perspective from safety and I see it being beneficial now that with the new technology of nets and helping preserve the fish. It probably stresses the fish out a little bit less if it's kind of cupped in a net rather than like boat flipping it and slamming it into the uh, to the console, but it's not like it's not exciting watching Mike Canelli yeah. run around the boat screaming his head off and then and they'll still you be know, half in the water trying to grab a fish, and you're still gonna like you're still gonna have guys do that. But yeah, like you were just saying, it's you're trying to take stress away from the fish. We're trying to protect slime coats. 
Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I probably lost more fish with my net than I have caught them. But and I have to force myself to use a net because it's just so exciting to boat flip a fish. But I've had some fish uh, take a nosedive, and I'm like, man, I feel pretty bad about that. But I, hey, yeah, you know, I've been out of checks for sure trying to boat flip fish and smack them off the gun or yep, you know, one off the windshield like Ben was saying, and you just hit it right, and that hook pops out, and you watch them go right through. I've swung them through the boat across. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's just. It makes no sense to me. The angler has done everything right to be put in the right position, put the right bait right in for the right retriever in front of the fish. And for whatever reason, he gets to the boat and, and, and a fluke can happen. And all that goes right, goes away. You have, you have this debate across all kinds of sports in the outdoors, right? Because, yeah. I mean, one of my other passions is waterfowl hunting. And guys, the big debate there is shooting the ducks in the air versus shooting when they land in the decoys. Yeah. Look. If I did my job and put a spread of plastic ducks out and tricked that joker into landing in them, I am smoking that duck while it's sitting with my plastic decoy. <laughs> I have done everything perfectly and tricked that animal, and I'm going to take advantage of that situation. It's kind of the same thing. You've done everything correct to make that fish eat a piece of plastic. Why can't I use a net to make sure that I bring it home? Should you shoot a deer when it's bedding right in front of you? I'm smoking it. You know what I mean? You took the time to get into the tree stand or into the blind and you covered your scent up, and you got downwind, and you did all the things right, and the deer wants to come and take a take a nap. Well, it's gonna take a it's nap. gonna take a dirt nap. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, so it, you can have the debate all day long. But it, but I agree. I, I totally agree. Like use a net. Why not? Right. What's it taking away from the uh, from the competition? Uh, I don't think it's taking anything. So what are you gonna add, Trey? Well, you we talk about formats and we talk about evening the playing field and we talk about the debate with the forward facing sonar and stuff like that one of the things i think would be pretty neat if i was king for a day let's talk about the bassmaster classic right um one of the things that i enjoyed initially and, and i still do enjoy about major league fishing is their cup events where every angler brings their own tackle, but they fish out of the same standardized boat with the same standardized electronics, same motor, you name it, right? There's no advantage or disadvantage. It's just the angler and their skills, and that's what's put to the test. With the Classic, I think it would be an opportunity for Bass to do this just because of the fact that there's nothing else on the line but the Classic title itself. Every angler gets paid. There's about a million-dollar purse per Classic, right? So if you look at the angler that... You look at Jason Christie, you won $300,000 from Bassmaster Classic, and then all the way down into the bottom, the lowest pay was $10,000. So a little bit over a million-dollar purse. You don't pay for that event. You're getting paid for that event. So Bass has an opportunity to even the playing field, put everyone in the same boat with the same electronics, the same horsepower, all the above, and make it about as close to even playing field as possible. So I think that would be a cool opportunity. I would add that rule to the classic and put everyone in the same deal. I don't know. What yeah. are your guys' thoughts? I mean, I get it. I mean, and, and, and with the classic, and you could apply the same thing to Red Crest too, because uh, I think um, it's only the couple of events in MLF they do that. Yeah. But, mm -hmm. but, you know, in the classic, and, and you also have people from Bass Nation, you've got the college, uh, you got the team, you've got, you got the co-angler. Yeah, That's right. Co-angler, the guys who qualified from the... Uh, from the opens, mm -hmm. right? So they're not the majority of them are elite series guys who have all that stuff, but but you know provide everyone with the, the level playing field. I guess I would take it one step further, is that I would like to see John boats. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you could have a John boat tournament hey. for the classic. Let's, let's you know that would that would change it up. Yeah, uh, I would like to see a, a cup style event for bass. Or, you know what? And even MLF, I just want them to go out west. Yeah. Right. The problem with the tours going out west, Clear Lake, California Delta, Columbia River, even Lake Mead in, in places in the southwest, is that it is so much travel with the rest of the schedule. It puts a lot of pressure on the anglers to be able to make that work. It puts a lot of pressure on the actual tourists, too, right? Because of all the infrastructure and logistics. Mm -hmm. After the main season, September, October, November, have a Cup style event out west or maybe a couple of them the boats are provided you fly the anglers in there you know you make great content you know showcase those california west coast lakes and uh let's just watch some great some big fish being caught so yeah. so what ben is saying is no off season 
And uh, good luck getting in the woods, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, and I, I haven't said anything yet on this, so I will. I, I think it's a, a great idea. I mean, if you look at the cup events, you look at heavy hitters on the MLF side, it's all standardized boats, standard electronics. They all have the same. It's heavy hitter standard or is it yeah, their own? Yeah, no, it's standard. It's all yep. provided boats, so they all have the same. They run nitros because of the sponsor and all that, and the same electronics, same everything on that. So I, I think it. When you're doing that, it truly comes down to angler skill. And you can give everybody live scope or active target or mega live or yep. just make sure everybody has the exact same thing. Because like you said, you have the college kids. You have you have guys that qualified through Nation. You have co-anglers that qualified through the Opens and through the uh, Bass Team Trail uh, that are provided a boat to fish with it. If they don't have one, that aren't going to have some of those mm-hmm. things that the other guys are going to have. So, Yeah, I think the... Uh Excuse me for a second. <clears throat> I think the the biggest thing that sponsors would look at is the fact that you're not running their platform during the Super Bowl of bass fishing, right? But so, you mean, yeah. so I mean, I don't know how you would work that out if you would, you know, have a handful of expresses, a handful of nitros, a handful of. It doesn't seem to Falcon. cause an issue in the bass pro. Tour, it, it it doesn't. You're right, and so you know that to me would be a really interesting event and you could even go one step further and take that event where it's not been taken before so the classic is taken out west right where there's a there's venues all over the country but take them to a lake that's not really fished right and make the classic's so small the classic is small the field is small right the the problem with that because the point I was trying to make is like there's a lot of bodies of water that have big bass all over the country. It's the infrastructure for the expo and all, but there's a right. lot of places out west that that could be done. Oh yeah, sure. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's my that's the uh, that's the curveball I wanted to throw uh, earlier, and uh, that's my add to if I was king for the day. Hmm. Pete, I guess that's on me then. You're you're now king. You're the my, last king. <laughs> mine's kind of a big one. Uh, it's not one add. Or one one thing that I would change. What I would do is I would take every single rule in the book and put a prescribed punishment to that rule. So there's no room for discretion. There's no room for one guy to be treated differently from another guy. A veteran will be treated the same as a rookie. Uh, and and the reason this I thought about this was because of the Jacob Wheeler, Alton Jones, and Jeff Sprague incident. Mm-hmm. If Jeff Sprague is Jacob Wheeler, is it the same? If it's, no, if it's no one me, knows. I mean, my first year in Bass Pro Tour, and I violate a state law, is, Bass, is the MLF going to step and pay my fine? Or are they going to tell me you should know this? There's no way of knowing. If it's all written, you could even look at Swindle, Trey Swindle. I mean, you could look at any incident and say, would it be the same? If it's not clearly written what the punishment is, then there's room for discretion based on who the person is, or there's room for me to make that that argument, which I'm doing. There may not be any, but I can sit here. I can't sit here and boldface tell you that if it was me as a rookie on the Bass Pro Tour that violated state law, that I would have been treated differently than Jacob Wheeler. It just makes things clear, and I, and I get it. There, it is interesting how you would think about if we want to call them punishments, right, or the repercussions in, in like the scale of that, because there's obviously more grievous, you know, yeah. infractions, yeah. right. No one does this on the on the pro circuits, but if someone puts some weights down the fish's throat and they're mm-hmm. caught, right? Obviously, that deserves a significant more punishment than, um, you know, someone who's even soliciting information outside the rule or someone who yeah. just forgot to have his insurance, you know, paperwork or or pay that, right? You know, you, and I don't know what the scale would be. Right? You'd have maybe DQ that event, maybe you lose points, maybe you're DQ'd the entire season, depending on it. Right now, I think your point is is, is great. Is that it's it's kind of all up to, it's up to the board or the board, or tournament director, and yeah. the transparency is it. It just, it just there is, isn't any transparency. What about a three strike rule right like is there something there there could be i don't think there is anything yeah i was gonna say like when when progression of of like when's when do you cross the line to where you're like never to return well look at any job you work there's progression to discipline right if i no call no show three times you're gone or if i call off three days in a row without an excuse or whatever it is if i call off every saturday there's a progression to the questioning or to to what you did there isn't any of that so Okay, I 
Jeff Sprague's a great. I got some information. They slapped my hand for that event, disqualified me. I lost some points, blah, blah, blah. What's next? Is it going to be the same thing? Yeah, or I don't know. am I now disqualified two events and fined? Uh, and then if you look at minor rules, look at let's say a guy doesn't have his kill switch, which is a rule, clipped to his life vest. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be disqualified for that? That Technically, I violated a federal law at that mm-hmm. point because that's, right. that's a maritime law. Should I be disqualified for that, or should that just be a you know a couple dollar fine or whatever it is? Yeah, nobody knows. It's up to the tournament director or the board or whoever hands that down. But if it's written in there, these are class A violations. What you can classify them. If you do this, this is what's going to happen to you. Yeah. So at least I know because I honestly don't think that Trey Swindle knew he was going to be disqualified. No, and that's interesting that it happened, and they only check your liability coverage on day three. Yeah. You know that's just it's interesting. Uh, it's like, where do you find the healthy balance between uh, subjective discretion and, you know, the objective rules? Mm-hmm. Like, where do you find the healthy balance? And you bring up a good point. Like, does the tournament director for Bass have a relationship with Greg Hackney like he does Jay Shakirit? There should be no, there should be no subjectivity in it. So, so this is where you or can't, she? you can't, you can't have no subjectivity. Why? Well, one, because you, you can't predict every single scenario that's going to come up. There are well, going to be instances. There's going to be things that you're right. And, and two, but for written rules, there should be no subjectivity. And two, there's always circumstances, right? J- just Give me an example of a circumstance where it could well, be written. Say, Let's say gathering information. It's written, and it says your first strike is a disqualification from that tournament and $100,000 fine. What, what would be... An, incident that could occur where that wouldn't be enforced I, my point is like end of like violation of the rule the information rule right that there's a scale of ways you can go about that but why or i mean i, I would you know you let me know trey like there, there's to me there is a difference between i'm walking in the tackle shop and i i ask somebody hey you've been down to a local lake what have you been using versus my buddy lives here, Send lives on this lake. Points. I copy his waypoints. which I'm is, still gathering information. Which is different than paying someone to fish for I, you for a month. See, I don't think you can view, but you can't. You're still gathering information. And, th- and this might be why there's not those class A, class B violations is because you have, I would say that you have to take a holistic approach to each angler per violation, right? Like, does he or she cross uh, a no fish, no fishing area and not tell the tournament director about it or instantly call the tournament director and say, Hey, I accidentally fished in a no fishing area. Like, what do you want me to do? They're now? disqualified. Right. And that's it, that one. They actually do know what they do. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying like, it's, to me, it doesn't matter if I write the rule, gathering information is gathering information. Whether I ask Joe blow at the tackle shop or I call my buddy that lives there or I pay a guide to go out and collect waypoints for me, I'm still, gathering information that it, could give me a competitive but, but, advantage but that's just not the way like we generally as society look at this i know I mean, it's not but you, it needs to be but, but if you kill somebody <laughs> you, you killed somebody yeah but there's, there's a there's a difference between right being a jeffrey dahmer and going in there and eating somebody after you right i'm oh, let's just keep it <laughs> is there is, versus, is there versus uh you're under some sleeping you're pills and you hit somebody you know the, yeah. there, there's an there's intentionality right there's pre, you know, that's why we no have no matter all these how legal. i gathered information i intentionally gathered information and i think i that's didn't the, accidentally walk into a tackle shop and ask somebody what they've been catching them on i intentionally walked into that that tackle shop i asked the question i intentionally paid that guy to go fish this creek arm for me and tell me what was going on there's intention in all of that now if i, I accidentally I'll, I'll answer your question Somebody posts something on my public Facebook page that there's no intention there. They did that under their own free will, right? So there is an instance where I have evidence that I can look at. We're going to make these guys go to court now. We're we're, we're, we're going to have a court. (laughs) What I'm saying is, you know, that I can see he wasn't, you know, and it happened to Matt Lee. He had a guy post something on his Facebook. He deleted the comment and said, hey, you can't tell me anything. And that was the end of it. Like he 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 didn't reach out to try to <clears throat> gather that information. I think it's 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 hard, right? Like it's it's definitely hard in a sport that you have to pay to play, right? That's really what 
And, yeah. and you got so much, right? Like social media, you're entering a private contract with that company on their platform. You know, do you make it a rule that you have to have a private social media, right? And, and so on and so forth. So that's a really hard one to, to, to really solidify. But, you know, where do yeah. you draw the line? And I, I guess I come down with, I could see more specificity, uh, regarding rules and punishments but there should probably still be a a scale within right class a these are the potential punishments right that the whoever the director or judicial committee whatever is established right if you go down this route um but we still have to everything can't be black and white we have to accept the fact there are going to be different circumstances mitigating aggravating right? everything is nuanced I understand the need to have more transparency. If, as long as it's fair across the board, then yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I'm good with it. But yeah. I think there needs to be something in writing where it's not just like it appears to be now, where it's almost completely subjective. And, and we hear what happens and that's the end of it. And it's hard to digest. If you download the PDF versions of all the rules, they're hard to break down. Oh, it's yeah. a lot of verbiage in there and you have to read the There's a lot of legal pre- jargon. Yeah, oh, yeah, there is definitely. So, good conversation, good topics. Um, Let's recap real fast. So, yeah. basically, right now, we are going to we're going to eliminate the eliminate the ban on the A rigs. So, A rigs are back in professional bass fishing. Mm. There are no more co anglers though in the bass opens, <laughs> so you can't use your Alabama rigs there. Um, but you are allowed to get information from anyone you want. Uh, you're allowed to use nets. Uh, if you happen to make the classic or red crest, uh, someone's going to provide your boat. And if you break a rule, there's going to be more definition as to what your actual punishment to be. So you can decide whether or not that rule is worth breaking. And if it's in your strategy, you can do it. Yep. So that is what we decided here on the one cast. <laughs> this is how we're going to make bass fishing uh, even better than what it was. But uh, let us know what you think of our rules. If, if you think they're stupid, let us know. That's okay. Um, if, if, if you have your own ideas, drop them down below. Yep. We'd love to see the discussion. There's, there's a lot of things we I know we haven't thought of that, that could make the sport better. And that's just what we're trying to do is, you know, provide conversation to how potentially the sport could be made better. So we appreciate you listening, you watching. Yeah. And if you're listening to this on iTunes or, or you know, another podcast, leave us a review. Um, it helps us get better. Let us know what you think, what we can do better. And uh, follow our socials, either OneCast Fishing or... If you search the one cast, we'll have a group up and running and uh, get added in there. It's a good place to, to bring questions and things that we can talk about. So That's right. This is made interactive for all of you and for us sitting here, so we appreciate you guys. That's and on all that I note, got. Yeah. We'll see you on the water. We'll see you on the water, guys.